Grace, mercy, and peace are yours, the Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I've had a song stuck in my head all week. Lydia knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's, uh, as I've been preparing and thinking about this, this song about Judgment Day and about the separation of the sheep from the goats, the song is called Sheep Go to Heaven from an alternative rock group called Cake. You might have not, probably haven't heard of them. It's not a Christian group at all. In fact, I would say this song is rather critical of Christianity, but it's one of my favorite bands, probably top 10 or close to top 10, and has some great insights into our text for today. The refrain goes like this. Sheep go to heaven, goats go to hell. Sheep go to heaven, goats go to hell. You know, it's a bit on the nose, I guess, but it's true. We're either sheep or goats and going to either one of two places. The verses in this song talk about how life is short, and certain expectations prescribed by Christians are often burdensome and can lead to sadness and loneliness. The grave digger uh, puts on his four steps the the the. Yeah, I'm the words now. I don't know. head all day. Um, but perhaps you've heard some of the, some versions of that criticism before. People claim that Christians only do good deeds for the reward at the end or don't do other things out of fear of punishment. And it often seems to outsiders that Christians are too focused on the afterlife and making it into heaven that we forget about this life. He says, I just want to play on my panpipes. I just want to drink me some wine. As soon as we're born, we start dying. So you might as well have a good time. Whether you agree with that kind of notion or not, the perception that a lot of people have is that Christians are under a constant and burning question of whether they're sheep going to heaven or if they're goats going to hell. And if that's the case, if that's really how Christians look at life, then it's hard to see how that can lead to anything but despair to have that sort of question hanging over heads all the time. I'm sure that's not how most Christians really feel. Maybe we do it sometimes, but not not usually. At the very least, thinking about the final judgment day can produce a certain amount of angst within us that a lot of people would probably just rather not deal with that. It's kind of like waiting for test results or getting an exam back. The more you the more time you spend preparing and investing in that test the, and in the results, the more serious and the more anxious you tend to feel about it. Right or wrong, this attitude that we often take toward Judgment Day, that's the attitude that we take toward Judgment Day, but I think the attitude of the band Cake is basically to say, I'm just not going to worry about it. And I think that's also the right attitude for us Christians to have. Yes, it's important to be prepared, to stay awake and be sober, for you know not the day or the hour. That was kind of the focus of last week's gospel reading. At the same time, being ready shouldn't be some kind of crushing burden or something that we should obsess over, because at the end of the day, you are not the judge. I am not the judge, and that's a good thing. The results are out of our hands. Sheep go to heaven and goats go to hell. But you and I are not the ones who are in charge of sorting all that out. If we trust the judge, we can trust that he will judge rightly and in accordance with his mercy. So why worry? Drink some wine and 
uh, play your panpipes. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, when he sits on his glorious throne, before him will be gathered all nations and he will separate people one from another as a, sheep, as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will place sheep on his right hand but the goat on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Those on the right and those on the left will be judged equally based on the same questions and based on the same criterion, which is how we treated Jesus. For he said, I was hungry and thirsty, sick and in prison. You either cared for me or you didn't. It sounds simple enough. When we hear those words, our temptation is to say, well, great, now I know how to study for the test. I will dedicate my life to feeding the hungry and giving water to the thirsty, putting digging wells in Africa and everything else, clothing the naked and homeless and visiting those who are sick and in prison. I know what I must do to be saved, and I, I know what I must do to be counted as one of the sheep who get to go to heaven and at Jesus' right hand. But then again, if that's your attitude, then one could argue, as many have, that you have not really cared for the least of these, but only for yourself and have looked after your own interests. The scripture is clear that no one is perfect. We have all sinned. We are all goats who are worthy of hell. To Cake's point, life is too short to live in the constant fear of judgment. The point of Jesus' parable is not to give us instructions for how to be sheep rather than goats or how to pass the test on Judgment Day. Rather, it's to say that we will be surprised in the end to find out that it has already been prepared for us before the foundations of the world. The righteous and the wicked have something in common. They're both surprised by the verdict. Those on the right said, Lord, when did we do any of those things for you? They seem totally unaware that they were doing anything for Jesus. It almost sounds as if they didn't know they were taking a test at all. But for those on the left, it was the opposite. They said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And when did we not minister to you? We've been doing it this whole time. The implication is that they thought they were serving God. They thought that they were well prepared for judgment. And so when the judge came and said they didn't do those things, they said, what are you talking about? Of course we did. We are righteous. We are good little sheep. Let us into heaven. Judgment day will be full of all sorts of surprises. Whether we agree with it or not, whether we like it or not, many Christians feel the need to perform and to kind of prove ourselves to God. And that's, of course, a natural desire to have, right? There's nothing wrong with having the desire to please God. We all do desire that. That's a good thing. But in the end, we will be surprised to find out that the kingdom has already been prepared for us before the foundations of the world. We cannot earn it. There is nothing that we can have done to prove ourselves as hard as we might try. Salvation is in the end a gift. An inheritance is not something that we can earn. 
an inheritance can be either received as a gift, as a birthright, or it can be rejected, but never earned. The Bible talks about our works as the fruit of faith. A healthy apple tree grows apples. That's just what it does. Now, I can assure you, I am not an apple tree. But it seems to me that apple trees don't stress about growing apples. They don't worry about how many apples they have to grow or who they're growing up for or um, if their apples are bitter or, or sweet. That's, they just do their thing and don't care who eats their fruit. If I were to tell an apple tree about how good its apples are and how much it's benefited me and, uh, and how many people the fruits on its branches has served, I'm sure the apple tree would have no idea what what I'm talking about. Maybe because it's an apple tree, but that's how it is with you too. Having been made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ works in you and through you to bear the fruit of faith in ways that we do not see or understand. And I think there's no better example of this than the simple fact of raising children. Whether it's your own kids or students at school or foster kids, we pour into providing not only for their physical needs, but also their emotional and spiritual needs in hopes that they will grow into godly, happy, well-adjusted members of society. But we don't know what makes the biggest impact on their life. Perhaps you've had those conversations with your parents or with your kids where they say something that you've done that really made an impact on them, and you said, well, I don't remember doing that. Or maybe you try really hard to uh, make a certain mission or outreach be effective and it doesn't really do anything. Lydia and I are in the process of becoming foster parents. And one of the things that we've uh, heard a lot in training is how we'll never know how we've impacted uh, the kids that we take into foster care. I've heard stories of parents who take in Uh, children who are very troubled, and the whole experience seems to be a total disaster, but it really turns out, in the end, pretty well. One story in particular um, about a foster family taking a foster kid, let's call this kid Billy, and uh, Billy never listened. He was always getting in trouble at school and with the law, Uh, just a complete uh, train wreck of a kid. The foster parents cared for Billy. They tried to be patient and tried to, under, and tried to be understanding. They did their best to connect with him, but nothing seemed to work. He was just always rebelling and uh, getting in trouble and uh, never seemed to really connect with them at all. Never even seemed to like him. Always said, I hate you and everything else. You're not my parents, whatever. And after a few months, Billy was moved to a different home, and uh, they felt like they had been complete failures. Like they failed Billy, like it was just a complete wash as hard as they tried. And about 20 years later, they received a letter from this kid, Billy, thanking them for all they did for him. In the letter, he, he thinks, you know, they had, he talks about how they had fed him and clothed him and cared for him and cared for him when he was sick and bailed him out of prison, quite literally. And by the grace of God, he had grown up into a happy and healthy, well-adjusted member of society. Who knew? 
he had a job and was getting married. He told them how they had changed his life and what short time he spent with them was some of the best memories he had. He said that they showed him what a good marriage looks like and that he wanted his marriage to be like theirs. Of course, these foster parents were quite surprised by what Billy had to say. They didn't remember things that way at all. From their perspective, the time that Billy lived with them was the hardest, uh, the most strained their marriage had ever been. They barely even made it through. Maybe they had to take counseling afterwards, I don't know. But that's how Judgment Day will be. We'll be delighted and overjoyed at how God works everything out for his glory. There's nothing to fear or worry about. We will all, he will sort out all of our troubles and show mercy in ways that we could have never have expected. He will show us all the good fruits that we have borne and how we have loved him and served our neighbors. And we'll answer, really? Well, I don't remember doing that at all. In truth, we are all under the curse of sin. We are all goats worthy of hell. There is nothing good that we see in ourselves, and so we confess our sin and acknowledge our own unworthiness, trusting in the mercy of our judge and shepherd. When Christ comes again, we will be surprised to hear him calling, Come, you blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. You have been redeemed and set free by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So don't worry. Be the best goat you can be and care for your brother goats to the best of your ability. Don't worry about the end, knowing that the spotless sheep has taken your place. We might feel a certain pressure to perform and prove ourselves worthy of being good sheep and living living up to the judge's standards. But bearing the fruit of faith is something that comes naturally without even a thought. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It cannot be forced or coerced, so there's no need to worry or be anxious about the final judgment, for your inheritance has already been prepared. In the name of Jesus, amen. And may the peace of God pass all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, life everlasting. Amen.